This is Over the Line on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, baby, we'll get to those Aaron Rodgers comments. But something I haven't done in a while. Sort of the show like this. Dude, the Milwaukee Bucks throttling the Brooklyn Nets last night, 110 to uh, a 99. Giannis Kumbo, another 40-point game, 43 points for the Greek freak. And the defense of the deer clamping down in the second half, holding the Nets to just 44 points in that second half, as the deer remained three undefeated, 3-0. and oh. And Rowdy, you and I were both watching it last night a little bit. Well, that's because, Ebo, they had it on national TV. How about that? Screw you, Bally Sports. Go eat it. But yeah, if, it felt good to see the Bucks on national TV. And, uh, Rowdy, your, your viewing was a little different than mine. I, I was bouncing back and forth. Uh, didn't really pay much attention to the first half, uh, but then more so in the second half. But um, you were more of, I mean, tell the folks your viewing habits of the Bucks last night. Yeah, I watched the basically the first and fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter is when it really everything matters in the NBA. Uh, but, yeah, the Bucks a little shaky to start the game, right? And then... You know, did you hear the, did you hear the, uh, I guess you'd maybe say it was criticism of Giannis by the broadcast team at the end of the game. Uh, remind me, what was it? What were they saying? So he scored 43 points against the Nets. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite the performance that he had the last time they played Brooklyn. The time before he scored 44. (laughs) Like, okay. Okay. Uh, the, the, the big three of the Brooklyn Nets, dude. Uh, they need to take LOL when they were flashing that graphic at the end of the game for the big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. That was hilarious. So again, I watched the first and the fourth quarter. Didn't see a ton of Ben Simmons highlights in the fourth quarter, but in the first quarter, I can tell you he took multiple shots. Did not make one. No. And one was like a terrible half-ass floater <laughs> in which then he fouled Brooke Lopez after Lopez grabbed the rebound. Yeah. And then he had this dumb look on his face. It's like, why are you even shooting the ball? Uh, ben Simmons. Th- this dude's two of seven. Of course, no three-pointers. Had four points last night. And then it was Van Gundy on the call for the game. Yeah. He was saying, I don't think you can judge Ben Simmons right now. You know, he hasn't played really professional basketball in over 400 days entering this season. Yeah. His own doing. Yes. He's the one that willingly did it. Yeah. The, he was the one that said, you know, he had all these injuries, but they were oh, phantom the injuries and then he didn't want to play and yeah. then this and then him and Doc Rivers were going at it and it- Ben Simmons is hilarious, dude. In fact, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo had a, a, a pretty funny um, a little celebration. Giannis uh, threw it down on Simmons and then did this. Uh, here, I'm just going to see if I can get the, uh, the other Downhill here. at Simmons. Double team. It didn't matter. He put Simmons in the weight room, saying he's too little. <laughs> That's back to back. Giannis. Giannis. It allows him to get a running start and get deep. Giannis takes him down. I think he has to backs him down, him puts it in. So that if he does get and then beat, he flexes on him, says he he's too little. Ben Simmons needs to get into the weight room. Ben Simmons is one of the most strangest stories in the NBA. This guy had everything going for him, and then can you pinpoint it into the 76ers in the playoffs when he refused to take that layup that one time? Pass well, it how up, about how about him going into last from season there? where? They were doing like the the preseason games and they were showing practice 
and he was wearing sweatpants and like a sweatshirt, and he had his phone in his hand while he was trying to do like a in his defensive drill. Yeah, it was like really. His phone's in his pocket as he's at practice. The only one in there. Like, what are you doing? He is hilarious. But the Milwaukee Bucks, man, they um, I mean, they're the only undefeated team. I would say they are legit. And obviously, so they have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Our guy True Advisor says the deer are herding together this year is championship number two coming. Well, if you think about this, the Bucks who have dominated so far to start this early season, they don't have Chris Middleton. They don't have Joe Ingles. They don't have what Pat Connaughton's got some injury. So this team's not even close to being where, uh, um, you know, they can be. And I know it's early. It's three games in. But, my God, I'm feeling good about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you can feel a little – I don't know. Do you feel something special about this team? I know it's early, Rowdy. But do you feel something special? Just, just I guess it's just the way it's Giannis and then the Kumo goes, right? Yeah, I mean, when you have a the, the Bucks are 3 and 0 to start this season and overall they've looked really good. Yeah. They haven't even had Chris Middleton yet. Chris Middleton's supposed to be the second best player on this team. And I think last season at towards the end of the year when they were playing the Boston Celtics, it showed that they needed Chris Middleton or at least that second scorer to step up and be decently consistent yeah, big, behind Giannis. Big time. In that series, they couldn't find anybody that consistently stepped up and could be the number two. Chris Middleton, for the most part, has been a a number two for Giannis, and it's one of Giannis's buddies, obviously. But yeah, I mean, without Chris Middleton, they're still three and zero, and you know, the public will at least think Brooklyn's good because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Whether they're actually a real contender at the end of the season, I doubt it. Just because it seems like that team's like on the verge of. Of imploding. Well, Durant wanted out, and Kyrie Irving. I love Kyrie Irving, but he's not. He'd kind of be, you know, kind of a distraction on the team. And Ben Simmons he isn't stinks. part of any big anything. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> like the fuck. I mean, listen. Yeah, Middleton's out of the wrist. Pat Connaughton with the calf. Joe Ingles with the knee. And um, those are going to be three key players when the Milwaukee Bucks get to the postseason. Yep. Like those three guys are going to be in your postseason rotation. You know, you look at some of the roster, and I don't even know who. Well, at least one of those guys are Serge Ibaka. <laughs> I guess this t- that would have been a good pickup like ten years ago. Uh, yeah, totally. Speaking of pickups from ten years ago, we'll have to talk about the Packers upcoming here. But back to the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, you hope the bench is okay and they can shoot the ball at the end of the season. That's what I guess Chris Middleton's for. Well, and during the regular season. We know that the NBA, they don't play hard. Every Both teams don't play hard every single game. There's 82 games. Load management has never been more popular. Yeah. Um, you know that sometimes if there's, say, back-to-backs, professional teams will kind of, quote-unquote, take games off. We already know that the defense in the NBA, for the most part, isn't up to snuff until games actually matter. Yeah. So when you have a Giannis, you're always going to be good as if he's healthy. Yeah, and then hopefully in the playoffs, Drew Holiday is a constant because last playoffs he was not. Well, and even in last night's game, I didn't think he played that well at all. 15 points, I think. And when Middleton's yeah. out, he's supposed to be your number two. Yes. He's supposed to be the guy to step up and kind of be your, your next best Five player. Five of 18 shooting. Yeah, he didn't shoot the ball well. But again, that goes back to being a, a regular season game where the Bucks still have some pretty decent players where yeah. – when and especially when Giannis is going for fifty three or sorry forty three points and fourteen boards, he's a beast. You're gonna win a lot of regular season games in the NBA, even when you have guys maybe not particularly shoot the ball well, but you have Giannis. Yeah, I love this tweet here. 
Giannis completely destroyed Ben Sitton. Not Simmons. Ben Sitton. 43 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, and the W. Uh, safe to say the Nets who uh, know who their superiors are, and that would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Adenakumo, man, that dude is just, he's, he's, he's awesome. Giannis rules, and can't wait to see how this season all unfolds. And by the way, Steve Nash, what am, I love Steve Nash, Rowdy, uh, as a player, one of my favorite players of all time. Steve Nash got his first ejection ever in his coaching career uh, last night at the Pfizer Forum as he was sticking up for his players, thinking that Giannis uh, should have been called for offensive foul. Instead, he started freaking out on the refs. He was like, you know what? You're out of here. You're tossed, bro. And we're going to get a technical foul. Steve Nash was working for that, and now he's incredulous. Jock Vaughn trying to hold him back. Look at Steve Nash is incensed. That was in the third quarter, too. He's literally, like, losing it. Is there a least intimidating person in the NBA, Rowdy, than Steve Nash? I mean, that's... <laughs> eh? Our Canadian friend, eh? Yeah, I think you're going to have to go back and look how many times did Steve Nash get ejected from a game. Yeah. Oh, this is his first his coaching his, career? During his playing well, his career. his playing career? I got to imagine it's not many. If like I w- <laughs> Steve Nash. I love Steve Nash. He's one of my favorite players uh, watching him play the game. Uh, but the first time in his coaching career, he got ejected. He was given the bug eyes, like he was freaking out on the ref. But I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be too intimidated by this. <laughs> I got, Nash. I got it here for you. Yeah, what is it? Steve Nash was ejected from two games out of over thirteen hundred that he played in. <laughs> I mean, the dude's still silky smooth out on the court, but yeah, Two games. Two games in over 1,300 games that he played in. And this was the first time, yes, that he was ejected. Hey, earlier this week, it was Clay Thompson. He got ejected for the first time ever um, um, when he was talking smack to Devin Booker and the Suns. And uh, how many games has he played? Not as many as Steve Nash yet. Well, is Steve Nash in his, is it his third third year year? with the Brooklyn Nets? I think so. So he's got one ejection in three years of coaching, but he's got two Oh, no, he started coaching us in 2020. So, yeah, this third year. Yeah, yeah third, third season. Year. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. But, yeah, he's already got, he's got one in two years and change as a coach, and he had two in his entire long tenure in the NBA. Uh, can you look up Mike Budenholzer? How many times he's been, not obviously playing, but uh, his coaching career? I would love to know how many times Mike Budenholzer has been, you're out of here, thrown out of a game. Because uh, Booty's been around a lot longer, obviously, than uh, Steve Nash. Uh, all right, we'll get the research department on that. If, if they feel so inclined, it doesn't really matter. All right, so yeah, Bucks only undefeated team now in the NBA as uh, the Trailblazers went down. So it's just the Bucks who remain undefeated, and they will be going against the New York Knicks tomorrow night at the Pfizer Forum. Uh, by the way, the LA Lakers lose again. <laughs> they are the worst team. No, I take that back. The Magic are the worst team at 0-5. The Lakers are second worst at 0-4. And the Kings still 0-3 we were talking about yesterday. All right, we have a lot of things to get to today involving the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, also World Series. Rowdy, the World Series tomorrow. World Series starts tomorrow. Wisconsin Badgers football schedule was announced for 2023 yesterday. Look out, man. 2023, we're coming. And, um, and also, I mean, th- th- there's rumors of the Packers of who they're going to trade for. If this is the case, Brian Gutekunst, you need to go check your head uh, because we're going to have some problems. And Rogers talked to the media yesterday too. Um, really good, insightful stuff from Aaron, and so did uh, Matt Lafleur 
about it. So uh, the drama continues in Titletown. Not only is there drama in Green Bay with are they going to trade, are they not going to trade, you know, is Aaron Rodgers a problem, is Aaron Rodgers not a problem? How about some of the Green Bay beat writers and journalists going at it with former players? Now that's juicy as well. Yeah, well, Rowdy, we're getting to all that. I I love... Now, I don't love that. That might be actually more exciting than the games that we've had to watch as Packer fans this year so far. There's no doubt about that. Now, I love rowdy drama in Titletown. It's one of my favorite uh, soap operas. I would prefer if the team was winning a lot, but when there's drama like this and when you're facing adversity, my God, does it get spicy. Line one, good morning. Who's this? Bart Starr. <laughs> you're on hold for 15 minutes just for that. Hey, Bart Starr, what's up? Hi, uh, just hit. Uh, getting the jet like Johnson down to Charlie. I'm I mean, it's only a two hour right? difference, and you came back on what last Tuesday? Uh, I, I, I don't, don't think you should be jet lagged anymore. I think you're just hungover or, or just hungover Johnson perma drunk. Yeah. I'm watching. I'm watching Star Trek a mock time. One of my favorite episodes. All right, that's great, buddy. We we appreciate that, my man, Rowdy. There's when did you get home? Last Tuesday. You can't it's been be over a week. You can't be jet. And there's only a two hour difference, kid. You can't be jet lagged. It's it's literally a two hour difference. Nothing. I I did it earlier this year. It's nothing. All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Twitter Ebo says that's me. Nelly over here is Rowdy underscore Razor. Our guy Packers JT's is Giannis the all time best draft pick of Wisconsin sports. True advisor says I think Rogers has had a bigger economic impact, but Giannis appears to be a better guy. Interesting. Now let's see here. Rogers did get that Super Bowl drafted by the Packers. Giannis did get that championship drafted by the Packers. I wonder who would be more of a monetary difference. I would assume it'd be Aaron Rodgers just because the NFL is the NFL. But if you hmm, the best all-time Wisconsin draft pick, Giannis or Aaron Rodgers. I don't know, Rowdy. What did your gut say? Like, just not even thinking about it. I think Rodgers. Yeah, I would go with Aaron Rodgers, too. I feel like, um, well, it's also Aaron Rodgers has had more time to yeah. play. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is at the end of his career. Yeah, was he 17 Giannis, years? Giannis probably right in his prime. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Rodgers had his longevity here. And people are really turning on Rodgers now. Uh, I don't know if anyone's turning on Giannis and Dendekumbo. I think it, I think it's safe to say just what everyone loves Giannis. Can I have you ever met anyone that doesn't like Giannis? Yeah, but let's see. If if Giannis was a buck and he was in his fifteenth, sixteenth year playing for the Bucks and they were really good for pretty much that entire tenure, but they only made it to the NBA finals once and they won it one time. Hmm. Would he get the Rogers treatment? I feel like a lot of people would would A either bitch <laughs> at well, probably first would be at the front office because they didn't give him enough weapons or they didn't surround him with another big number two, you know, say if they keep Chris Middleton there yeah. long term. Or they would say, you know, people would start to uh, maybe turn a little bit on Giannis. Hmm. I mean, if you stay one place long enough, Ebo. Hey, you either die a hero, Rowdy, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Could Giannis ever be a villain? Are we seeing Aaron Rodgers become the villain now? Not for me. I'll boil a few, Rowdy. No, I just think it's pretty funny when people think he's washed. This would be off of the great album, Led Zeppelin 3. The song is called Since I've Been Loving You. Now, I 
make it very clear. I am an Aaron Rodgers lover. Some call me an apologist. Some call me a things I can't repeat on air. But I uh, love Aaron Rodgers too much, and yeah, I can't see it, you know, for what it really is. Since I've been loving you, I love you, Aaron Rodgers. We can now go to uh, a man, another man that I love. Our guy Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media, who is uh, the Robert Plant of covering the Green Bay Packers. Pants aren't as tight, though. But, Robbie, good morning. Do you love Aaron Rodgers like I love Rodgers? Well, there's a great there's a great line in this song, Evo, where they say, <laughs> since I've been loving you, I'm, I'm going to lose my worried mind. And, and I think Matt LaFleur is about to lose his worried mind, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he stands at the podium and, and says the right things. But I, I'm guessing as he's, as he's driving to work Wednesday morning, he's calling Mark Murphy and saying, what the hell is going on? He's here? like, Mark, you're right. He is a complicated fella. Okay. He is that and then some, yes. So, Rob, I mean, the Pat McAfee show, which, <laughs> listen, uh, the Pat McAfee show, you get more of a peek in um, in a different kind of lens of Aaron Rodgers than, like, standing in his locker room. Now, I know uh, you guys there in, in, in the locker and, and post game get, a, you know, a different lens than Pat McAfee would. Uh, but McAfee gets more, because it's longer form, right? Like, Rodgers can go on there and, like, just, just kind of go rant for a while. I know he kind of does that for you guys, too. But when he was up there and you start talking about, like, you know, Players need to play better. We're going to start cutting reps, uh, accountability, this and this. And then uh, he goes out there yesterday in front of his locker room. He's like, everything I said publicly, I say privately to these guys. He's like, I don't know why everyone's getting all offended over this. Like, this is what I say. Then LaFleur's got to go up there. And LaFleur's like talking about how, yeah, you got to treat these players like they're children. I mean, what when you hear all of this unfold, Robbie, what do you say? What do you think? Everybody obviously had to toe the company line yesterday, Ebo, and, and say all the right things, right, and, and back the quarterback on what he did. But I can guarantee you there's, you know, a third or half or maybe even more of the locker room that, that doesn't agree with this form of, you know, quote-unquote leadership being displayed right now by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Ebo, what, what if yesterday, I don't know, Sammy Watkins, instead of saying all the right things about Aaron Rodgers, had said, my quarterback's not playing any better than, than anybody else, right? My quarterback's not playing better than the offensive line or, or than the wide receiver group or the tight ends or anything like that. I mean, they, they would have had Armageddon inside that locker room, right? <laughs> so, I mean, every, everybody's got to take this, you know, kid's glove approach then with, with Aaron and, and back anything that he says and kind of kind of approve. But, but Evo, this is exactly what the Packers knew could happen when they – when they signed on to a X amount more years of Aaron Rodgers back in the summer of 2021, you, you remember, you know, he wanted out of town and he was at this stalemate with Brian Gutekunst, whether he was going to come back to the Packers or not. And he, and he kind of issued them this list of demands where he wanted a seat at the big boy table at Thanksgiving. When it came to, to management decisions, he wanted, uh, you know, he, he he wanted, obviously, a new contract. He wanted a guarantee beyond 2021, all these things. And, and Brian Gutekunst didn't have to say yes to any of that stuff at the time, Evo. And when he, when he did, you know, he, he already took the most entitled employee that <laughs> I think the organization has ever had. And, 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 he, and, he, and he just kind of, you know, he, he just added a, another level of complexity to the problem. And. And now, and now that's exactly what you have. Yeah, you have an unbelievably talented player. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, who, who's do, who's doing this? Although he's certainly not playing to the to the MVP level right now that he did in 2020 and 2021. But 
But I'll be honest, Evo. At the end of the day, that's uh, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of this style of leadership. I don't think this is a a, a good way uh, for him to be a teammate with young players. Some of these guys in the locker room, Evo, already are terrified of the guy. <laughs> you know, he's he, he's a walking, living legend, right? And if you're Romeo Dubs or Amari Rogers, and and you're you're already struggling with your confidence, and now your quarterback goes on. You know what? What I think McAfee's probably as popular as any nationally syndicated show going on right now these days, isn't he? And and your quarter and your quarterback doesn't call you out by name, but everybody kind of knows who he's talking about. He's trashing, you know, certain guys on the roster. That that that's not going to add to confidence, Ebo. And 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 to me, this this is just a really bad way for Rogers to lead. If he wants to do it behind closed doors, wonderful. I just I'm not a big fan of him taking this public. Robbie, is it just me or does it feel like the Packers want Aaron Rodgers to lead? But this has always kind of been my opinion, and I agree with you on this stance. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great player. He's arguably one of the best throwers of the football of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a four-time MVP. We can go right on down the list with how good he is and his attributes and his stats and everything. But I never thought he was a leader. I never thought he was a like a a quote unquote captain or a leader of men. He always seemed like if you were on a team, he was kind of the guy kind of standing off to the side that had a lot of talent, and you just kind of had to deal with them and, and do you know just kind of go along with them, play nice, blah blah blah. But he was not your true leader or a guy that was like your rah rah guy. I never ever felt that with Aaron Rodgers. But I feel like as he's gotten older. And obviously it's a young man's sport. It's a young man's game. He has been pushed into this leadership role when that's just not him. I couldn't agree with you more, Nelly. Mm. I, I've always, I've always said he, he's the guy who divides. He doesn't bring people together. It, it's just not who he is. I, I remember early in his career, guys, let's, let's maybe say about 08 when he got, you know, when Favre retired or then eventually was traded and Rogers took over as the starter. I, I sat with him one day and I asked him a lot about leadership. And, 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 you know, where he kind of learned and, and the approach he planned to take. And, and what he fell back on a lot at that time, Nelly, and talked about is he learned his leadership in a class. He took a class at Cal about how to be a great leader. And, and you know, so, so he kind of learned it in a, in a, in a classroom at a, at, a, at, a, at a university, right? And, and you can't do of, that. You have to, it, it is, you know who your leaders are when you touch the field and you're you there sure every do. day. It's any, not any some stupid competed, class. Any of us who have competed understand that you, you, you don't, you don't learn leadership in a textbook, right? I mean, no, yeah. Brett Favre. Brett Favre was four years old, following Irv around a locker room and watch Irv chew, you know, chew out teammates, and and he watched his dad do it for fifteen years, you know, be, before he went to Southern Miss and and moved on. But you know, it, it was ingrained in Brett Favre from the time he was, you know, uh, you know, a kindergarten kid, and and it's that way for a lot of these guys who who lead from the get go on their pee wee teams and their youth teams and things like that. And and the thing Aaron talked about often. You know, Nelly. Back to your initial question was was learning this at Cal and, and you know in a lecture hall. And 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 I remember kind of thinking to myself at the time, boy, that's I, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But I I'm, I'm not a big fan of how that how that uh, has a chance to unveil. And and sure enough, I mean, I guys, we've had this conversation for for years now, right? Just the way he, you know, and and teammates have despised this about Aaron forever. How he kind of sells them out on the field with with the eye rolls and he throws his hands up in the air when things don't go well. And, and you see him looking ticked off. We get on the floor, like what the F are we doing? 
Yep, and he already sits alone on a sideline, right, guys, when they're down 10 points rather than gathering the offense together and trying to rally the troops a little bit. I just, you know, leadership is not his great strength. There's there's no question about it. He's got an all-time golden arm. He's got a phenomenal brain to to play the position, almost too good probably at times. Uh, because he overthinks things and, and then gets himself in trouble, I think, by thinking he's smarter than the, than the coaching staff, which at times he might be. But, um, you know, the, 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 there's no question he, he's got remarkably strong attributes, guys, but leadership is not one of them. Well, I think, Robbie, when you look at when you look at the defensive side of the football, you can probably go and point to three, four guys that can probably be a leader of a defense. I mean, you look at Adrian Amos, probably Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. Like those guys seem like they're kind of out in front leading or can be leaders on offense. I don't really think you have anyone that's specifically a, a leader. You would think Aaron Rodgers, but again, we just discussed I, he's never been a leader in my opinion. Oh, is it Bakhtiari? Well, the guy hasn't been on the field for two years. And, knee hurts. and and maybe some guy like a younger guy like Elton Jenkins is someone that's going to whip people into shape. He's been hurt with a knee injury. I, I just feel like there's no one you can point to on that offensive side of the football that's your true leader. And we already know it's young and inexperienced. And I don't think Matt LaFleur is a great leader. He's a guy that sits in the corner and draws plays. No, I'm with you, and and and, and that's why I stem this whole thing, guys, back back to the summer of 2021, and and Brian Gutekunst had all the cards at the time, and I wrote this yesterday at Forbes and and at Conley Media, and it's in all our papers this morning that 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 Gutekunst really had two options at the time, and 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 Aaron Rodgers had really no, you know, he he had no leverage in this in this poker game, guys. He he, he wasn't holding any cards worth anything because he was under contract to come back to Green Bay when he was yelling and screaming and squawking about getting out of town. And, and Brian Gutekunst's guys folded his cards, and he gave in everything to Aaron Rodgers to try to make one more run at things. Well, we saw how that played out last year, right? They, they obviously had a nice regular season, but they did what they've done in the postseason for 12 straight years now. They disappointed everybody. They folded and flopped, and, and they scored 10 points in the biggest game of the year, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't good in the playoffs. And, and now here they are in a mess right now, three and four, about to be three and five. And, and you've got, you know, you, you've got a high-maintenance quarterback who's, who's more angry and ticked off than ever. Um, it's, it, it, Brian Gutekunst's guys had, had two options at the time. He, he could have signed back on for, 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 for this potential mess with Aaron Rodgers, that I think everybody knew uh, had, had a great chance of happening, or or he could have moved on and, and got a package of draft picks, way more than what Denver gave up for Russell Wilson, which was you know five five picks in the first two rounds and and, and three players as well. I mean, Aaron's a better player than Russell. Aaron was coming off the best year of his career in 2020. Brian Gutekunst could have completely rebuilt this team and, and they could have, you know, there was going to be a year or two, I think a gap year, maybe transition years where it wasn't going to be great football where they found out if Jordan Love could play or not, or, um, you know, maybe made a move to a different quarterback, but, but guys had, had they gone ahead and made that move and loaded up on this draft capital, I can guarantee Robbie. you by about 2024, 2025, they were going to be a dominant football team again. Robbie, I'm going to ask you what's coming up here on Sunday for Sunday Night Football against yeah. the Bills. But first, breaking news, and I'm glad you're on for this one. i got to hit the little sound here, so feel free to react with me. Wow. Breaking news, a major Milwaukee Brewers shakeup. David Stearns 
is stepping down as president of baseball operations and will remain in an advisory role to ownership and baseball operations. Matt Arnold, the GM now will move into the lead role overseeing baseball operations. Yowza McBowza. Wow. Wow. You know what I think we have coming here, Rob? The Mets. I think we have a, I smell a little trade of David Stearns coming up here. David Stearns. Down, done as president of baseball operations. Does this allow David Stearns wow. to step down so that Matt Arnold can be the GM to trade David Stearns to the Mets? Because I don't know if you can trade yourself. No, I mean that, yeah. that, that's very possible. I mean, guys, we said this. We said this back in August. Wow, one, right? Something seemed to miss with that with that Josh Hader trade. It wasn't a David Stearns type of move, was it? Nothing. Nothing about that made made any sense in terms of huh. Stearns trying to Stearns putting that on his resume. That felt like me to be such an enormous rift between the owner and the general manager. And, 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 and now here he is what he's not even 40 is he about 37, 38 years old. And, 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 and he's positioned himself now for, for that next great 37. Job. Yeah. 37. Yeah. So he, so he steps down at, at this point in time and you guys are probably exactly right. Now, now, now the Brewers can make a move with him. And, the trading of Josh Hader broke him. He had to step down. Now it takes his talents to probably New York. Wow. Crazy. That's a, that's a huge blow for, for an organization that was already reeling, huh? huh. Well, we'll have to talk about this coming up, Rob. Man, uh, is, this, is yeah. this the first, just thinking out loud here, guys, is this the first general manager or coach to be traded since, like, John Gruden? In it, any in any professional if it sport? If it happens, yeah. I, if it well, happens? We'll, we'll see if it happens, Nelly. But, no, I mean, coaches have been getting traded for quite a while, right? Wow. I mean, didn't the, Pack, didn't the Packers give up two seconds to go get Holmgren, I think, back in 92, guys? You know, so it's this. This has gone on for quite some time, but yeah, no, the, I, it, it would seem to make some sense that that's where that's headed. Wow, the Brewers tough. Uh, Robbie, uh, back, to, <laughs> back the, to the back Packers. to the Packers. <laughs> hey, so uh, what? I mean, the, David Stern stepping down—that's tough. The Packers, eleven and a half point dogs now, opened up at ten and a half. I think RJ told me he's down to eleven and a half now. What happens Sunday night football in Buffalo? Yeah, you know, Green Bay can do all this talk all week, right? About this hasn't been good enough, and 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 all, and all this talk about rallying the troops going to going to Buffalo against Sunday night. This this doesn't feel anything to me, though, Evo, like 2010 when when Mike McCarthy stood at a podium in late in the season before they went to New England, the 14 you, point underdogs that night, and and screamed, "We are nobody's underdog," and. Um, these Packers are everybody's underdogs right now, Evo. That that's the big difference. That 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 2010 Packer team that obviously went out and won the Super Bowl, um, and, and kind of rallied off that McCarthy cry of, of nobody's underdog had remarkable talent up and down the roster, right? Young studs like like Jordy and and Clay Matthews and B.J. Raji and Rogers was was just hitting his prime, and the offensive line was terrific. I mean, I could go on and on. Th- this group, I. I Evo, I just I don't know how they get to twenty points against Buffalo in 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 that game. They're they're, they're just so limited right now offensively. They they refuse to stay committed to the run game. Just twelve carries, you know, last week for the two running backs combined. I mean, AJ Dillon now is a forgotten man. Four carries for him last week. They they have no identity on the offensive side of the ball. This Buffalo team, to me, guys, is the best team the league has had since the '96 Packers. They're first in the league in offense, first in the league in defense. And, and and no NFL team, guys, has done that since Green Bay did it in 1996. I, I think this is the best team we've seen 
in 26 years. I, I think they're going to roll to a Super Bowl title, and I think they're going to roll over Green Bay on Sunday night, Evo. <laughs> Robbie, would you say <laughs> Damn it, that the Green Bay Packers on Sunday either rally the troops and the defense actually plays to the level we thought it could play up, and they and they win like a 23-20 game, or this is like a three-touchdown yeah, loss? The Bills take them to the Gallows pole, Robbie. Yeah, I've been saying 34-16, guys, Oof. so... You know, I, I do think Buffalo covers the thing. Now, I, I will say this. As, as much of a mess and a hodgepodge as the NFC is, you know, three and five doesn't doesn't knock Green Bay out of anything. But it, it's, it's going to make the road really hard. And it's probably gonna, what it's going to do is probably if they do wind up making the playoffs, it's going to put them in a six or a seven seed or something like that, even if they could kind of rally after after Sunday night. But but guys, even if Green Bay was rolling, I you know, from the start of the year, I I said they, you know, they 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 would lose by 7 to 10 points at Buffalo. Well, now now I think you double that the way the the way both the way both teams are playing, right? Green Bay just playing miserable football and Buffalo playing the best football in the league. So, um yeah, it's it's it, guys, I think it could get ugly Sunday night. Rob, I really hope you're wrong. <laughs> we'll talk about you next do, Thursday. <laughs> I know you do. All a Packer Nation does. It just, I don't know. Right now, Green Bay hasn't passed the eye test, right? Evo, no, they, yeah, they, they haven't. They just look worse and worse. You think how close they are to one and six guys, right? With uh, just sneaking by Tampa and having to be the third string quarterback from New England in overtime. It's they're, they're they're actually pretty fortunate guys right now to be three and four. Yeah, and Tampa doesn't appear to be that great. And if Bailey Zappi would have been taking first uh, first team reps all week, that game might have been different. <laughs> Very possible. Hey, yes, Bailey sir. Zappi for Aaron Rodgers. Many are starting to say that now too, Rob. <laughs> Robbie, we love you, buddy. All right, guys. Uh, in, in, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Yeah, Thanks and uh, we'll tell David Stearns that you say, you say goodbye. Okay. Well, now, I, now I'm now I'm flipping on to hear what you got from here. So. <laughs> we love you. There he is, Rob Reichel, our guy. Rob Reichel, Twitter, Forbes.com, Colin Media. See you, Robbie. David Stearns, gone. I'm going to read the uh, the statement here from one former president of baseball operations, David Stearns, and I quote: "This is not an easy decision for me." and is something I've been wrestling with for a long time, said Stearns. Mark Adonazio and I have had an open dialogue, and we both knew this day could eventually come. It has been a priority for both of us that any transition would take place while the organization is in a healthy position with solid leadership and a talented roster going forward. That is certainly the case today. He then goes on to thank a bunch of people, blah, 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 blah. And then David Stearns, or I'm sorry, Mark Adonazio, here's his statement. <clears throat> Quote, over the last seven years, David has not only led our baseball operations at a high level, but he has also become a good friend. Our discussions about his long-term plans have always been open and candid. And while I am disappointed that David is stepping down, I am grateful to David and know he has a very bright future. David's impact on the organization has been transformational. He has created a process that has yielded highly competitive teams consistently and raised expectations to a new level both internally and with our fans. We will miss David. I am excited for the opportunity this provides Matt, the new GM. Matt is one of the brightest executives in the game. He brings a diverse set of experiences and has been integral to everything we have done as an organization during the same year. My question is this. If David Stearns is stepping down as president of baseball operations... And now Matt Arnold, the GM, is now president of baseball operations. Why did he, David Stearns, 
trade away Josh Hader and dismantle this Milwaukee Brewers team before he put his foot out the door. He said he was thinking about it for a long time. Why did he trade away Josh Hader for basically nothing when he full well knew he was leaving? Because it wasn't his decision. Was it Margaret Anasio's then? I would believe it to be true. I think so. Well, well, first Mark, off, Mark, by the way, said he had hands off and had no idea that this was going to happen. First off, just discussing the David Stearns things, I feel like we all knew that this day was coming. It had been, a, what, a couple years now that basically some of the contract details were leaked where it's like, hey, you know, he does have an out here. It's coming up in a couple years. There had been rumors about the New York Mets for a while. David Stearns even commented and said, basically he grew up a New York Mets fan and that was always a dream. Like you could kind of read between the lines, even though that was uh, potentially his ability to leave was three years or so, whatever it was into the future. And even coming into this last season, we knew that David Stearns had an out in his contract to leave. If the Brewers made the world series. And if you look at Matt Arnold, Matt Arnold was a guy that David Stearns hired himself to work on his staff when he became the GM in Milwaukee. Matt Arnold was a guy that kind of flew up the ranks. He's still a younger guy as well. It's not like at 43, he's some old dinosaur. (laughs) And then at the same time, you saw him advancing up through the ranks. And when David Stearns got the uh, baseball operations job, Arnold was hired as the GM. Yeah. Now, again, if Stearns was going to stay there the entire time, probably nothing would have changed. But if Stearns is going to move on in the future and, and Ananasio and Stearns actually did have that open dialogue like they say they did, yeah. obviously they were moving up Matthew or Matt Arnold because they liked him. They put him in the GM role. They probably wanted to kind of give him almost like a, a trial to see if it would work because – you know when it's GM or baseball operations, it, it kind of can be flip-flopped. Yeah, you have guys coexist, with either, coexist. yeah, they doing the same thing. They're working together. They're working with scouts, blah, 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 blah. So I think that was probably like the guy that they had liked where they kind of had yeah, a succession plan and, parents, yes. and they were moving him so up. So do they and, let Matt Arnold have his uh, dip his toe well, in? He's the one that traded away I Josh think, Hader? I think it's interesting Speaking of trades, that they do this now at the beginning where the offseason really, well, frankly, hasn't started yet for Major League Baseball to get ready for the offseason. And I think it just gives them the ability to trade David Stearns now so he doesn't have to wait a year. Yeah. Like, so for, what are the Mets? The, the Mets- for the most frugal franchise in the Milwaukee Brewers that never want to pay anybody long term outside of a couple players and never want to spend money and are always looking to flip players before they have to pay them. Mm-hmm. You don't think that if David Stearns really wanted to go, that they wouldn't all of a sudden flip him to the Mets for something before he left. And you, do you know, think that's the move then you think, well, do you going think down? do you think if David Stearns is in a quote unquote, you know, lesser role. He's not stepping down to be an advisor. Exactly. He's in a lesser role. Do you think, do you really think he wants to sit there? He's ascending. He is a, a G or a GM baseball operations guy that he's just going to be an advisor. giving he's ascending. Settle comments or hints or advice, whatever. No, he's sitting there basically buying his time for one year to go to, which most likely feels like the Mets. Why not move Matt Arnold up now? We'll trade him in the off season. We'll get something back for him. 
So I still don't get why you trade away. Jo- he like, didn't trade him. No, no, no. I, I know you're saying that. Like it's Mark Adonazio who did it. So I don't get then. Why do you do it mid-season to get nothing for him? Why can't you do it on the off-season when I you're trading away you, David Stearns? Then I guarantee you, Mark Adonazio was the guy that said, "Hey, I see that Josh Hader. His contract is coming up. He's got one more of arbitration. I don't know if I want to pay sixteen or so million dollars for a closer. We have a guy named Devin Williams that's extremely good. You know, I think this is a cheaper way that we can save money and still have a pretty decent bullpen. What do you think? And David Stearns, who by the way is most likely going to the Mets, says, "Well, one, I don't really care if the Brewers keep Hader or not. I'm out of here in a year or two, anyways." He goes, yeah, we can we can trade Josh Hader. I can try and get some pieces back. I guarantee you that's how it was because Ananasio didn't want to pay Josh Hader. So, and there were some rumblings and whispers that I had heard that maybe Josh Hader wasn't not happy. Didn't have a great relationship with the front office and the owner. Yeah, I heard due that to too. him wanting a big contract, due to him not wanting to be paid year by year through arbitration, and thought he was worth more. Then it came out that you know what, you're using me for two or three innings. I guess what? I'm a one inning closer because you're not paying me what I want. And there was a little rift so, between the organizations, and I think that made it easier with the money to say, well, you know what, we'll trade you anyways and see what we can get back. Right, so I have. I, I think this is the right video. This is after Hader was traded. This is Mark Adonazio talking to the media. It's, I think it's the right one. And it was painful because we all, obviously, all of us at the team and all of us in the community get attached to the players. So, you know, last several years here, you guys all got quite attached to was Josh Hader. You get a call from uh, David Stearns and Matt Arnold saying, if something you want to do with Josh, actually... Right, that's, he says right there, we got a call from David Stearns and Matt Arnold. We have a, something, a deal for Josh. Shut down. You know, it's interesting. My first many years here, which I think has continued to this day, I've been criticized that you know, I stuck my nose in too much. And so now maybe I'd be criticized for not sticking my nose in enough. Because- so now he's saying he didn't do anything with the trade. He got a call from Arnold and Stearns. About hater. And that's what he says. Yeah. But do you believe him? Because he was the same guy that says, you know what? Early in my in my career of owning the Milwaukee Brewers, I stuck my nose in too much. And now I'm, you know, not having anything to say with this. He was the same guy we played clips with before the beginning of the season saying, right when I saw Andrew McCutcheon out there as a free agent, I said, we need to go get this guy and I'll pony <laughs> up some more money to pay Andrew McCutcheon. He He's a great that. player and a great leader. Well, you just contradicted that with these statements where, well, I don't put my nose in player personnel. I'm just the owner. That's that's Matt and Dave's job. I feel as a fan and how the fans feel to Josh Coe versus guys who need to do their job. They've done a terrific job here. You know, they made a move they wanted to make and they hoped to make other moves. So, you know, I know those guys. David, anyway, talk to you guys about it. All right, so that's basically the gist of it. Benjamin, Ben Kenny, what do you think of all this? Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. I mean, expected in a way, as Nelson said. I Unfortunate. Like, David Stearns is a great general manager. I know this season was completely botched, and there were a lot of powers at play there, but he has shown, you look at all the trades he's made, to do what he's done with the Brewers on a minimum type of, of salary and payroll to get guys like Hunter Renfro and Telez and pretty much he, he gets everyone on a discount and then they end up being good players. 
I think he's a terrific general manager. I think it's a shame that he's kind of held back by how the Brewers operate in a way where when he goes to New York and uh, Stephen Cohen's a madman and he'll just throw money at everything. I think that appeals to him more as a GM. It's obviously feels easier to win in New York as a general manager. So it sucks. You know, they say people with two first names are the most successful in the world. <laughs> Is that what they say? So I think Matt Arnold's going to crush it. Is he related to Tom Arnold? Probably don't even know who that is. Well, it's probably because his name's Ben Kenny. That's why I said it. Yeah, obviously. Oh, I was under the guys that if you got two first names, you're kind of an idiot. Oh, well, well. <laughs> I, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> what about um, someone with two last names? But I don't know. I. No, it's, it's, it's obviously we work in radio. The content that has come from Stearns' press conferences this year has been golden. I just don't. Okay, so I don't understand the training of Josh Hader. If you know you're out, like, why do you dismantle the Brewers on your way out? Rowdy says Adonazio did it. What do you say? He was always on his way out. I think I think genuinely Stearns thought when he made that trade that it was going to help the team in the long run. I think he he obviously drastically underestimated what it did to the clubhouse. But at the same time, I think he looked at Rodgers and the prospects and said, okay, we can uh, piece together Rodgers plus Matt Bush and whatever. They equal some portion of hater and we'll be fine. And then in the future, we'll get this guy Gasser to come up. Asteri Ruiz might become a player. I, I think he genuinely thought that that was going to be a beneficial move in the future. He just clearly underestimated what it would do to the clubhouse. The one thing that I know for sure Brewers, the organization, will will miss from David Stearns is him being able to just fill out an insanely good bullpen pretty much every single year that he was there. Like he always found those guys that were on the wrong side of 30 that had, you know, some good years in the past, but they'd fallen on tough times and they would grab them. All of a sudden they'd be back to their form for the most part. Or it would be like, Hey, here's a guy I found an independent ball. His, his name is Jake cousins. <laughs> you know, his cousin is Kirk Kirk cousins, cousins. cousin. And he's got some really good stuff. And when he was healthy, like that was a guy that performed pretty well for the Brewers last few years but like he was great at rounding out a a bullpen and you as you watch as you watch the major league baseball playoffs what do every single one of these teams that continue to go deep into the postseason have a great bullpen and it's the worst thing in baseball to have when you're a crappy team yeah all right we got mike clemens coming up 9 30 crazy news Uh, if the brewers were smart they would have done this monday morning after the packers uh played the buffalo bills no, they actually are geniuses. They dumped it at the same time the Big Ten released the 2023 football oh, yeah, schedule, yeah, yeah. which is dominating the airwaves. Uh, let's Wisconsin see has an easy pass to the path to the playoff next season. Line, Can't wait. line one, who's this? Uh, this is Mark from Sun Prairie. Hey, Mark, how's it going, man? I went to, all right. I wanted to comment on this David Stearns thing. Um, Please. You know, I think, um, you know, he said he was thinking about this for a long time. I think he was thinking about, well, what can I do that they'll want to get me out of Milwaukee? That's what I'm saying, man. Like, he had it he in his contract. Trade. He had it in his How contract where they trade? made the World Series. He could get out a year early. This time he's like, well, I don't want to wait because we're not going to the World Series. Get me out of here. I'm trading away Josh Hader. Yeah, he says, if I trade Josh Hader, that'll turn the fans on me. Yeah, you and it did. Mean? And it totally did. And then I'll I'll um, trade for Trevor Rosenthal and pay him $4.5 oh, which we could have used to um, pay Josh Hader next year. It's despicable, isn't it? Yep, and then, but you know, David Stearns will have a 
bigger apple to take a bite out of now. Yeah, the big, the, the biggest apple, the big apple. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, man? I've gotten some comments here, Mark, that uh, welcome to the Brewers of the 90s coming up. What do you think? Um, Let's hope not. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed, man. Let's hope Man Arnold can pull some strings and be pretty good. And man. I think um, they uh, Phillies, if they win the World Series, they should give David Stearns a share of the World Series money that they win. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, the Brewers crapped on their leg and let the Phillies in. I agree. No. Mark, don't be, love the phone call, Mark. Good stuff. Love some Prairie, okay. too. All right. See you, buddy. Bye now. In fact, we'll be in some Prairie tonight. Kenny and Halprin. Five to so seven, I'm five seeing to some other people on Twitter and then, you know, in messages asking, why would the Mets want David Stearns? Because He's obviously you saw their offseason this last year where they signed Scherzer. You know, they signed some big-time names, and they were a really good team. They won 100 games. And then obviously they fell short. I think the reason why you want someone, if you're a big market like that, because like go back to the movie Moneyball where the Boston Red Sox wanted to to pay Billy Bean a ton of money to come to Boston. Because mm-hmm. you think about it, if David Stearns can be this successful hunting the waiver wire, making trades and making these small little, uh, you know, non-notable signings at the time and make these small market teams like Milwaukee good, imagine when he does have money that he can spend. He can go get the best players that he likes and still make these same exact moves. It's kind of like one of the things that uh, Brian Cashman has gotten criticized for with New York. Yeah, he can go buy all these guys and give out these huge contracts, but I mean for the last while, decade, the guy hasn't been able to develop any talent. So they're always paying for it. Yep. And now what did Paulie say here on uh, Facebook? Maybe Stearns traded Hater to the Padres, and now he goes to the Mets. He trades for Hater because the Brewers would never have traded and paid the money for Hater. Playing the long game. Yep. More bites of the apple. Mark and Sumpere, you're right. Now he gets the biggest apple to bite from. I. What's your gut say? He's going to the Mets? I think so. I mean, yeah. everything was has been... The writing has been on the wall the last three years with some of the little things that have come out, and now all of a sudden he steps down with what was supposed to be a year left. There's something in the words. Ben, going to the Mets? Yeah, you know, it's funny because the Brewers will still win a World Series first. Mets are always going to Met. The Mets are the Mets. It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how many great players and how much they pay their players. Every time they get to the playoffs, they will choke. If not in September before it. In my hand, in my hand is a Brewers fitted hat. And it's the logo from the 90s. Rowdy, are we going? Becker texted us. Brewers back to the 90s. Well, I mean, think is this, about is this Is this appealing to you? Honestly, nah. are the Brewers back? Not right away. I mean, think about this. If Matt Arnold completely stinks at his job, and he can't get anybody good this offseason, he can still bring back the entire team that was expected to win the NL Central and win over 90 games. Plus, let's not forget, David Stearns did build that uh, farm system back up where it's not its not like a, hey, it's the top five farm system in baseball, but their top eight or nine prospects are legit good prospects. They, it, the cupboards aren't bare necessarily in the minor leagues. Oh. So at least for a, a little bit, even if Matt, Matt Arnold sucked, you still have all these guys under contract for one, two more years in a decent system. Oh, here we go. Ben, I hope you have access to Major League Baseball's network, the MLB network. The Brewers will have their press conference. will air live on MLB network.
At 10 I, o'clock central. I don't have access, but I'll see what I could do. Oh, someone's going to be disappointed to come 10. Man. Uh, line one, who's this? Are we in the air? We are live. We are. F it, we'll oh. do it live. All right. I'll, uh, I'll tone it down then. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, is Ben special? Yeah, he's very special. He's, he's, special he's our special and- boy. We love Ben. He's very special to me. Did he? Did he? Did he actually just say? And I and I think he did. Did he actually just say that the Brewers will win a World Series before the Mets? Yeah, one hundred percent. Wow, you got some good stuff there, Ebo. You better hit him up. Well, he gets it from yeah. me, so that's why. Because um, just kidding, he doesn't. Well, I mean, let's see. The Mets have won a World Series, and the Brewers haven't. Paul, and the Mets have. You know, there's this this running joke of how the Mets are always going to met and they're always going to be trash, come like or not make the playoffs or just bail out of the playoffs, right? Uh, you know the you know that's like I mean, the running joke of the New York Mets. Do you know that? I don't want to. I don't want to shame you, Paulie. When I'm on my deathbed and I'm closing in on 80 years old, and the Brewers have still not a World Series before I die, I'll finally admit it. This organization also sucks too. <laughs> And I, I think I we're, bet, we're getting closer money. to that every uh, single day. I mean, it, it, this is this is for what it's worth, but it's never going to play out or whatever. I would bet money within 10 years the Mets win a World Series. Within 50 years, the Brewers won't. Paulie, I'll you take your I mean? side. Like, I will say the Mets win a World Series before the uh, Brewers. I will take the Brewers in this proposition. And is. by the time both of them do it, it'll be 30 years from now, and I likely won't live here. Well, and I'll be know. dead. So, <laughs> well, thirty years so he'll be raises, like eighty. Something. He raises you, moving to him dying. Yeah, cheers. And Paulie, Ben is very special to all of us. We do love Ben. He's a special friend. He's a special boy. <laughs> See, Paulie. <laughs> <laughs> and Paulie and you, man, it's, it's, that's a that's a relationship that I love to see unfold. What you guys are going at it, Ben? You're very special to me. You know that you're special. I don't know if I would say you're special, Ben, but simple, special to me, Ben. Simple. I'm just, I those, I'm just sentences when I love you, totally Ben. In one ear and out the other. I said you're very special to me. Oh, you're a, you're special to me, Ben. Gotcha. I'm picturing yeah. Ben Stiller. Oh. Yeah, in, in Tropic Thunder. I don't. I hate Ben Stiller. No, no, he's talking about a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie within a movie. I know Ben Stiller's the worst. You, I don't know how special they are to me anymore. Though. Not at the museum. If we have 50 plays and we have 10 mental misassignments and mental errors, that's 20% of the time. 20%, that's too high. So we got to fix that. And whatever that is, I think, you know, guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. 20% of the time making mental mistakes. 100% of the time, this guy's bringing awesome Packers coverage. Our guy, Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, except I'm up to 30%, you know. <laughs> Mike, you got to talk about the wins, not the losses, okay? Looking over my shoulder, <laughs> Mike. What's going on today, brother? What's good? A lot of well, a lot of drama in Titletown. Twelve is going on, right? I, you know, what's your sense from Packer fans? Like, they, like they're tired of hearing from this yes. guy anyway. Yes, I think a lot of them are 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 tired of whatever it is they perceive that Rodgers is doing. This diva attitude in their mind, whatever. I think they're just like, dude, just go win. Right. Well, and I mean. So yesterday, you know, he got some treatment. So he sat out a Wednesday practice again with this thumb injury, uh, which I'll get to in a, in a couple minutes. 
Um, but they, they now have this meeting after Wednesday's practice, and it starts at an exact time, and it goes long. And uh, we were said, no, Rogers will talk today. Even though he didn't practice today, he will talk to you guys. Okay. Like he wanted to. Uh, and then we stood there and waited 45 minutes. I mean, they were they were getting out the vacuum cleaners, you know, in the locker room. <laughs> and then we're looking at each other like, I mean, people got deadlines. So TV people have got, you know, 5 o'clock show coming up in 15 minutes, that kind of thing. And we're thinking, if this guy stiffs us, you know, and then five minutes later, after waiting 45 minutes, here he comes. And, you know, okay, let's go. He talked to us for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then after that, he even hung around for a little bit more after that, a little bit off the record. So, you know, he's on the McAfee show, and they're talking to him about, you know, mistakes made in the commander's game. And it's like, and I asked this question a little slower, too, like, so what is going on when you have these practices Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, a walkthrough on Saturday? You've got to feel good. You've rehearsed this, right? But if you're going to call it, and LaFleur's, I mean, he shrugged his shoulders and was like, you know, it's a people business. People, There's 22 guys on the field. All kinds of things can happen. And it's not always necessarily what they, you know, we're trying to put the looks in front of them that we see. Uh, Washington did not have that many exotic things that they did on their defense. But whatever, in the heat of the battle, Guys, you know, they go left when they're supposed to go right for God knows what reason, and 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 these, some of these plays result. So Rogers said, was asked, you know, should you be talking privately to these players instead of calling them out on a nationwide show? And I do do it privately. I'm not saying anything on Pat that I'm not saying to those guys. You know, maybe that's, you know, talking about a conversation that's behind closed doors in public. But, you know, the level of accountability is the standard here. And, again, I don't think it's, it should be a problem to any of those guys to hear criticism. Uh, we all hear criticism in our own ways. And we all got to be okay with it and take it in and process it. And if it doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit. But if it fits, we got to we got to wear it and improve on those on those certain things. Again, I, I said it, I'm not you know I'm not going to be a robot up here. You know I don't, I don't understand why people have a problem with things that are truthful. You know I'm calling things the way I see it. People don't think I need to air that stuff out. That's their opinion. But I'm doing what I think is the best interest of our guys. And I've tried a lot of different things from a leadership standpoint this year. You know I was just relating my personal feelings on the situation. I didn't call anybody out by name. I think we all need to to be on the details and. That includes me. If I need to have one-on-one extra conversations with those guys during the week, then I'm going to do that. And we have done that to an extent. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just putting one or two guys on, on blast. I'm, I'm alerting everybody that this hasn't been good enough and we all got to do a little better job. You know, if, if one of those guys has a problem with it, I'm right here. You know, I'd love to have a conversation. I enjoy those conversations, you know. I enjoy any type of uh, conflict like that because I know the resolution on the other side is going to make us, uh, you know, a better unit, a better friendship, a better cohesion on the field. But nobody's come to me and said, I got a problem with what you said. I think everybody knows, Matt included, uh, that, you know, everything's got to take a little uptick, get a little better. So, Mike, you'd ask me, like, you know, the vibe of Packer Nation. Um, I think a lot of Packer Nation are sick of the comments from Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, who I feel like is not sick of the comments and seem to agree with them is the players in the locker room. Because I haven't heard anyone really say otherwise, like, that Rodgers stepped out of line. Have you? Well, no. And, you know, I try to think of, all right, who's someone that maybe, um, well, where would I get my best shot to say to somebody, say, you know, I don't agree with Aaron, at the very least. Yeah. I didn't think I'd get anybody just to say he's out of his mind. 
the guy's an arrogant ass, you know. <laughs> so I went to Rasul Douglas, who, I mean, he speaks his mind. And we said, what do you, you know, I don't know if you heard, but Aaron Rodgers said, uh, maybe some, it's time to, to get some guys benched, to take away their reps. And here's what your defensive back, Rasul Douglas, said. I mean, isn't that how it works? <laughs> if we're being honest, right, that's how it works. This is a production-based business. People who make the most plays should play the most, right? So I don't disagree with nothing he said. I mean, he's been around for a long time. He understands the game at a high level. Like probably no one else in the locker room, probably besides Big Dog, understands that. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think we all want the best players on the field. It is a results business. You know, if you're not having results or if the results are bad, you probably would lose your starting role. The the feel from Rasul is like, hey, I could add some names to Aaron's list if you like. <laughs> if only Big Dog really understands it just as cerebrally as uh, Rogers does. Yeah, I I think he stopped short. <laughs> I could, I got some names over here on defense and special teams that <laughs> I could add to that list. And then uh, Sammy Watkins, man, this guy uh, again. Uh, here's another figure on this team that frustrates people. Like, oh, he's washed up. Why do they sign him? You know, he's always getting hurt. Yeah, well, but, but the reality is, they, and, and he is always getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had this practice where they decided to put some shoulder pads on it on Wednesday. The guy makes a cut on the finely taken care of practice field, you know, the, the Clark Kinkle field, and he blows out his hamstring. And it's just like, it's almost like his, his body is too fast for his, his hamstrings or something. And, and uh, he thought it was so bad that the muscle was separated from the bone. It, it's just, but I can tell you, you talk, you, this, you spend five minutes with this guy, and he is as honest and as genuine and uh, and is critical of himself. And I can see why some of these, you know, Packers and his former receivers coach, they actually worked together in the in Buffalo. Jason Vrabel, who's now the Packers receivers coach. That's why they said, bring this guy in, because if there's anybody that's going to try his best to make something out of the season, it's Sammy Watkins. And so Watkins was asked about his reaction to Aaron Rodgers' comments. This is a business, and um, if you're not performing or executing or doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, then uh, I'm with Aaron. If I'm not playing well and I'm freaking up and busting plays, get me out of the game, because that's not helping the, the team. And, um, I think that's uh, a wake-up call to everybody, wake-up call to myself. I try to limit myself having one MA a game. That's my goal. And the goal is to have none, but things happen in the, in the fire. But I'm with Aaron on that. Maybe guys will block more, block harder, do the do the um, details correctly. And, you know, I feel like everybody's on the hot seat right now, even myself. I got to go out there and make plays as much as plays I can and do anything to, to get a dub, whether that's run block and pass block. I mean, catching balls deep, short, whatever it is, we have to do it as a collective group. And, um think this is a game to do it i mean he's not wrong again another person back in aaron Rodgers, and i think everyone you look at three and four where they're sitting right now they're all pretty disappointed in their performance on the field so then the next thing ebo that i'm trying to figure out is it's kind of funny that people aren't really talking more about the thumb injury and you see a couple of missed throws and you know here's the guy missing practice i mean aaron Rodgers never misses practice he's never on the injury report although i know that you know time and time again there's things where this guy's got, and, you know, he, he is going to the trainer, but I don't know. He's not going down on the list. Um, I, I'm looking, you know, I'm standing a foot away from him yesterday for like a half hour, and I, most of the time he's got his hands in the pockets of a, of a Milwaukee Bucks hoodie, mm-hmm. all right? 
Uh, but I, you know, I'm looking at his hands and I'm looking at this thumb on the right hand and I'm trying to see if there's something I could tell out of that, a swelling or whatever, because he got two more hours of treatments. And after all this talk about the team and the roster and and the, and the mistakes made in the last three weeks in plays on offense, um, I said, hey, by the way, is your thumb getting any better? Uh, I need a couple weeks. Uh... So just trying to get to the bye week, and then hopefully by then it's not a problem. We got a mini bye after the Thursday game, um, but it, it's getting a little bit better, yeah. Two more, Fern. Is your thumb broken? My thumb is hurt. <laughs> I might, yeah, I might. Uh, definitely felt a little better in the second half. Uh, it felt pretty good leading up to the game, but there's every now and then there's a certain snap or play that might might hurt it a little more. So um, we'll see how it feels. I'm gonna. I'm going to go easy on the on some of the under center snaps until later in the week, and then and then if it's feeling good, uh, probably won't tape it. But if I need a little reinforcement, then I will. So, is it like he won't say what it is? Right? It's, like it's not broken. He just he says it's hurt. That's it. Uh, he just left it at that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the, this is the guy who in 2018, the year that McCarthy ended up getting firing. Remember that incredible. He went into the tunnel on the, the opening night against the Bears in Lambeau Field no, I uh, on a cart ride with you know a knee injury, and then he comes back out and throws three touchdowns to come back to beat the Bears and one of the best comeback victories That's in the awesome. history of the franchise, yeah. right? Well, uh, and we knew that he had a knee for the next several weeks, but we just thought it was, all right, some kind of a sprain, MCL or whatever. Oh, there was a sprain, but he also played the entire year with a fractured bone in his leg. Yeah, I remember that. And then uh, that, that all came out after the season, and that's why he was, like, missing throws and yada, yada, yada. Because a lot of people were saying he was trying to get Mike McCarthy fired. Uh, well, but no, it was, it was the leg injury, right? Well, yeah, or it was, both. It, yeah, it was, no, it was, it was his front leg, the leg that he would plant with. So every time you planted, at least for the first couple of months, Ouch. you know, he's doing it with a fracture in his bone. I mean, you know, let me borrow a leg. I'll, I'll take a hammer. <laughs> and you see how that feels, right? you know, for the, for the next couple of weeks. Um, and now you're playing this, you know, Bills team that is just riding high. I mean, they they checked off the box by beating Kansas City. They got last weekend to rest up. And by the way, and one of the guys that's actually doing pretty good. He's been on and off this team since um, he got released by the Packers. But Jake Kumro, um, he's limited right now. He's coming off an ankle injury, but he's he's actually having a really good season with the Bills. You know, he's maybe their fourth target or so. Um, you got Stephon Diggs, who's on pace to set a franchise record. Uh, he's got 46 receptions already into this season. And I, I thought this was an interesting story. Um, their defense, and Leslie Frazier, uh, this is a guy who played for the 85 Chicago Bears. And so there he is in the Super Bowl. He's 26 years old, starting cornerback, defensive back from Ditka uh, and, and the Chicago Bears. And I think he was back returning a punt there in the Superdome. And he blew out his knee. I mean, talk about blew out. This is 1985 where he blows out the ACL, the MCL, the PCL, and a fracture in the bone beneath his kneecap. And he actually got his surgery by a UW Madison doctor, Bill Clancy, who they thought, all right, this could take a year and a half, but we still think you could play football. They waited two years. The knee never came back, and the Bears had to release him two years later. You know, a guy who was in the Super Bowl shuffle uh, <laughs> video. So later he, he goes on and becomes a, 
a coach at uh, Illinois, and then he got into the NFL with the Eagles, the Bengals, and then he was a longtime defensive coordinator and then head coach of the Vikings. So he's faced Rodgers a lot, and we had a teleconference with him, and, and we talked to him about facing the Packers offense. He's a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, terrific, terrific football player, and he's more than capable of leading his team, putting his team on his back. So, I mean, it starts there. Uh, and they, they have a, a, a football team that's, that's had success in the past. Uh, I know they've hit a bump and roll of late, but it's still so early in our season. Uh, they have enough time to right the ship, and they've got the right guy leading them to get that done. So we're going to have to play our best game uh, of the season to have success. And Aaron Rodgers is a terrific quarterback, and they still have some other players that are good players as well. And it is the NFL, so we're going to have to play really, really well to come away with a win. Well, it is a tall task on Sunday night football, Mike, to come away with the win. It's, uh, it's a doozy, I'll tell you that, because the Bills are a juggernaut. Yeah, and there's even talk that these guys are in the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. Because for one thing, and he is as good as they are right now, the number one offense overall, and you got Josh Allen just playing out of his mind, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, um, they were, Brandon Bean, their GM, was one of the guys making a calls uh, bid for Christian McCaffrey before he went to San Francisco to help out their backfield. The thing is, Von Miller has really taken hold of that defense, and everybody seems to in the organization has listened to him. Von Miller is lobbying to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, yeah. So it's in, in the and Sean McDermott was asked about it in his press conference. He said, uh, you know, talk to Brandon about it. <laughs> Which hey. is like, yeah, my GM is, they're all in. Yeah, let's they see are the, all in. You think the Packers do anything, Mike? Uh, By what, I, Tuesday, November 1st at 3 o'clock? Yeah. You know, at this point, would Odell come here? <laughs> right. No, I, I doubt it. You know? If he does, he's got to bring his uh, his putty and spackle and whatnot to fix that hole that he punched into uh, the drywall. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's fun. You know, the kids take pictures next to it on the tour. It's, it's fun. <laughs> Mike, always good stuff, man. We love you. We'll, we'll listen to you on Grand Show, Bill Show, too, okay? Thank you, man. Let's see you, buddy.